Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, guys. Welcome into another edition of the Penn State Blitz. Also the Penn State Podcast. Remote edition. Greg Pickle, Bob Flounders. I'm Bob Flounders. George remotely by... Greg Pickle. Let's just get to real quick what we're going to talk about in this edition. Sadly, Penn State's Blue-White week- weekend would have been coming up uh, in a couple of days. We're going to talk about a weird Blue-White list weekend, but there will be some activity Saturday. We had a chance to talk to a couple of Penn State assistant coaches, running backs coach Jawan Sider, cornerback coach Terry Smith. We'll to get to the best from some of their conferences. Still some recruiting news with Greg Pickle as Penn State continues to build its 2021 class. And then we're going to close with the Penn State mailbag. All right, welcome into the Penn State Blitz podcast. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle. A lot to get to once again. Hope everyone's staying safe. Greg and I are in different parts of the Harrisburg area. We're not going to say when, but let's just get to the rundown for this week. It would have been blue and white weekend just about any other year, but it's not because it's been postponed. Still, there's some news to discuss regarding the blue and white weekend. And also, uh, we're going to hear from James Franklin in a couple of days regarding uh, what's going on with Penn State football. Two Penn State assistant coaches, running back coach Jay Wan Sider and cornerbacks coach Terry Smith, met with the Penn State media this week. We'll get to the highlights from their calls. Greg Pickle, as always, has some recruiting news. Penn State's been very busy uh, with regard to the 2021 class, some updates there. And then we're going to close, Greg, with the Penn State mailbag. But before we get started, Greg, how are you doing? Uh, What's new with you? Bob, I am doing good. Thanks for asking. I hope the Penn State uh, fan base is the same and all of our readers. We thank you for sticking with us and reading about the Nittany Lions throughout all of this. Bob, just make sure your camera's rolling. But other than that, things are good. And uh, we're ready to talk some Penn State football. It's a nice change of pace. And we have a lot of news to get to this week, Bob. So I hope you're doing well, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. You know, this Saturday, we're, we're, uh, we're kind of recording, taping this midweek. This Saturday would have been the 2020 uh, Penn State Blue-White game. That, obviously, due to the coronavirus pandemic, is a big no-no, as does every other college uh, spring sport and pro pro sport as well you know the blue white game greg traditionally there's not a lot that goes on but the penn state fan base sure gets excited about it usually the weather's nice it's a chance to tailgate it also marks the end of spring practice fans can kind of turn the page and they know that the start of the season isn't that far off that's to be determined but even though there's no blue white game greg let's just talk about a couple of young players maybe they're january enrollees or maybe they are you know guys that redshirted that, you know, had they been healthy, not that they would necessarily played a lot. Uh, are there a couple of guys you would have liked to have seen in action maybe on Saturday? Yeah, Bob, there's no doubt about it. I think you make a good point that we have posted a number of stories over the years about guys who were the blue-white game heroes, so to speak. You know, Cole Cipiali is one that always comes to mind for me. That was early in my uh, 
my tenure with Penn Live and on the Penn yeah. State beat. But yeah, there's always guys who shine on that day that you're not counting on seeing much of in the fall. But there's also some guys who get experience during the blue-white game that, you know, it, it indicates what's to come in the future for them, what kind of fall they could have. So kind of staying with a, a topic we'll get to soon, I was really hoping to see Daquan Hardy in action. His teammates have just, uh, you know, really, uh, really talk highly of him and his coaches have too. And I think he's a guy that even if he just plays special teams, it's going to make a big impact. But Terry Smith, the corners coach, raved about him during a media call this week. And I just think that he was a guy that may have flashed a little bit and been able to carry that promise into the fall after summer workouts. So a little disappointed not to see him on the offensive side, Bob. I was curious to see what tight end Brenton Strange was going to look like and hear more about how his winter maybe parlayed into a big spring. We just don't want to forget that they have to fill that void created by Nick Bowers, who was the number two tight end last year. And I know that he didn't have a huge uh, statistical year, but he was a big part of that offense, especially when it came to run blocking. And then obviously the receivers, you know, it would have been great to hear from Taylor Stubblefield throughout March, throughout April, and just get a sense of which guys are stepping up, how maybe Keandre Lambert is performing and what is going to happen, obviously, once uh, once the uh, the time for summer camp got there, maybe who was in the lead and who wasn't. So those were just a few of the things I had in mind uh, before all this started and kind of uh, canceled uh, drills and everything for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think uh, even if there had been a 2020 game, one one player we would have liked to have seen that we weren't going to see would have been the January enrollee, the tight end, the four-star Theo Johnson. You talked about the tight end group and, you know, who's going to fall in line behind Pat Fryermuse. It's going to be Brett Strange. It's going to be Zach Koontz. You know, it could very well be Theo Johnson at some point, but he had, I believe, a shoulder issue related to something that happened in December be an Under Armour camp. And he was, James Franklin had said very early that he probably wasn't going to be able to do much in spring. We wouldn't have seen him. I think the wideouts, obviously, you know, you want to see some guys run around. You mentioned a January M role. I just, I, I know, I know that Taylor Stubblefield was going to be gushing about John Dunmore, my guy, but sadly, we're going to have to wait and see uh, if he can earn a starting job. Uh, also the linebackers, I think I really would was anxious to see a little bit more not so much Brandon Smith, because I think a lot of people know what he can do. Lance Dixon is the guy I would wanted to see a little bit more of. The thought of those three being on the field at the same time, it might seem unlikely, but that's a fast group. And at some point in the future, you're going to hopefully see that. So, yeah, I, I just think that I think the fan base and even the media, more so than the actual game itself, you know, the veterans don't play at all. Uh, it's just a chance to get up there to to hear what players are saying about uh, young players, and that's important. You mentioned Daquan Hardy. He's the overlooked guy, I think, so far in the 2019 recruiting class. A late ad, didn't have. It was a three-star, not a lot of offers, but if he can help out on special teams and if he can play the slot corner position, uh, I think Penn State's cornerback room is in really is in really good shape because they'll have four or five kids, uh, maybe from that class, that are really going to be fixtures for years to come. I wanted to touch on before we get to the assistant coaches calls, Greg, just the Penn State scholarship situation and just kind of where they're at. I think we're going to, I don't want to give away what Terry Smith had to say, but this isn't, it seems like it's not going to be a typical Penn State recruiting class. And I think a lot of it is tied to, as we talk right now, aren't they, they are over the 85 scholarship limit by uh, a few bodies that usually sorts itself out. But a couple of players that chose to stay at Penn State might have actually, in the long, for, for the future, complicated things. Yeah, it's tricky for sure, Bob. I haven't looked at the numbers of late, but they were in that 87, 88, 89 range last I checked. And I think the uh, 
I think the one issue that Penn State has to deal with right now is usually you would have guys go through spring practice and they yeah. would find out, maybe I thought I was going to be the second or third string this, or mm-hmm. I was going to maybe win a starting job at that. And they're not going to have that chance now. So guys who may have left uh, may not do so now, not only because of the uncertainty around college football and athletics in general, but just because they don't know uh, a true sense of what their outlook is at this point in time. So that's going to make it challenging. They're going to have to whittle that list somehow. I have no doubt that James Franklin and his staff will figure out a way to do it, but it's not going to be easy to do. And then when you consider the fact that they, again, as you mentioned, had more guys come back to school than expected, which will make next weekend's NFL draft a little bit lighter from a Penn State perspective, they had that to deal with. And the transfer portal losses really weren't too bad this year. Yeah. So you combine all those things together and it just comes down to simple math and the fact that when you sign 27 guys, as Penn State did in the class of 2020, and you expect all of them to be on campus whenever, uh, you know, everyone returns to campus, uh, you're going to not be able to sign as many guys in the class that follows. So at this point, after Penn State's big recruiting run last week, four commitments in 24 hours, they're at seven class of 2020 commitments. We'll talk a little bit later about what more could be coming on that front. But Bob, Terry Smith said you're going to be talking about a 10-guy uh, difference, uh, he thinks. So that means 17 guys might be the floor for this class. 20, 21 might be the max. So they have to be selective at this point. And if they can finish off some secondary pickups here in the next couple of days or maybe the next week to come, they're going to be about done there and focusing on some other spots. Yeah, and it was – you, you had mentioned I, I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up. You just never know who is going to – come out of spring practice and be a little bit maybe disillusioned with their role on the team. And I guess last year was the, was the prime example with, with Tommy Stevens. So there probably would have been a couple of defections coming out of this spring practice and spring game. And you really don't know. And the fact that there was no spring practice at all, you're right. You just don't know. Our, our coach is going to have to make some, have to have some difficult conversations with players. How is that going to sort out because Penn State's going to have to get a, a couple, I think a couple players, Greg, are going to have to probably move on. And maybe they already know that that's going to happen and they're waiting. But the fact that they're over 85 right now, you're not, you're not really used to that from Penn State. So we will see what happens. You mentioned, Greg, uh, before we get to Terry Smith and Jaywan Sider, though, I think it's time for you to do your thing and just remind everyone that, that enjoys our podcasts and our Blitz videos that it doesn't hurt to subscribe and it doesn't hurt to give me a five-star rating and maybe you a three or four-star rating. Yeah, that's right, Bob. So the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast comes out every Wednesday uh, during remote work or not. I'm sorry, it's recorded every Wednesday, comes out every Thursday. But if you subscribe to Apple or wherever you get your uh, podcast and your audio, Spotify or what have you, you might get that a little bit early come Thursday night. So keep that in mind when you press that subscribe button. Also, please leave us some feedback, like, rate, subscribe. Give us your thoughts on how things are going, what you would like to hear Bob and I talk about. And then as it relates to the video, the Penn Live Penn State Blitz videos can, of course, be found with the rest of Penn Live's Penn State video library at youtube.com slash all Penn State. Bob, just one programming note. I was out doing some yard work yesterday, and I think I contracted some allergies. So I've been drinking a little bit of water people will see during these videos. And uh, that's what that's all about. So there you go. One programming note. I like it. Okay.
Let's start with Jaywan Sider's uh, conference call this week, the running backs coach. Greg, you know, he is a very enthusiastic guy, a great recruiter, especially in the South. And he made it clear he likes three running backs on the Penn State roster. And to hear him talk about all three of them, you would think that all three, Journey Brown, uh, Noah Kane, and Devin Ford, could end up being, you know, all Big Ten picks. Now, you know, a lot of coaches do that, Greg. A lot of coaches are going to say positive things about the whole room because they don't want to hurt any feelings. But I think Jaywan is a little bit closer to the truth because I think if any one of these guys had a chance to get 200 carries in a season, I think all three of them would go for 1,000 yards. So how do, how do you, how do you think uh, Jaywan handled his news conference? And how likely is it that as we talk about Penn State's running back room with Journey Brown, number one, off his, his impressive close to 2019. He's number one. Noah's number two, and Devin's number three. How likely is it that maybe a few months from now, we'll be talking about these running backs in that order? Yeah, it's funny, Bob, because you and I, to take the readers behind the scenes a little bit, you and I were texting uh, on Tuesday morning about the headlines we were going to put on this story. The one I wrote focused on Journey Brown, and the one you had put together focused on Devin Ford and Noah Kane, and we kind of were having the conversation about how do we make these headlines not contradict each other? Because if you listen to uh, Jaywan Sider, there was going to be some way uh, that was possible for Journey Brown, Noah Kane, and Devin Ford to all lead Penn State in rushing in 2020 whenever they play games. He was just so complimentary about all of those guys, and what choice did he have? I mean, Journey Brown, as he said, really turned the track speed into the football speed that everyone had hoped he could after a record-setting career at Meadville High School out in the western part of Pennsylvania. And the Cotton Bowl was a coming-out party for him. He showcased, and really the last uh, you know, handful of regular season games yeah. were too, he really showcased what he could do. And he's the unquestioned, uh, I think, leader of that group. But Noah Kane, when healthy, was one of Penn State's most productive players, not just one of their most productive running backs. And everyone, Jaywan Sider included, I know you've been on this train for a long time as well. It's one of the good audio clips that uh, you can go back and find on the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast. But you've been on the Devin Ford train for a long time, and they are going to find a way to get him involved this year. Jaywan Sider was extremely complimentary and said, don't write him off. So if anybody out there thinks it might just be the Journey Brown and Noah Kane show and that they won't rotate in Devin Ford, I got news for you. Kirk Scirocco might have a new system here at Penn State, but the running back rotation isn't going away. And he also spoke, Bob, to the fact of people questioning how they're going to continue to recruit good running backs. And he didn't mention Ricky Slade by name, but obviously the transfer portal is a part of that equation as well. And he was very direct and very blunt in saying that the schools that are recruiting the best right now and that are winning right now have these very deep, very talented running back rooms. And I thought it was interesting that he went back to when he got to Penn State and said, look, we didn't have depth when we got here. We had three guys leaving at one time. We never yeah. want to be in that situation again. So we're going to continue to recruit to make sure we're not. And when we get good players, we're going to make sure we get them on the field any way we can. Yeah. So let's move, Greg, to uh, to Terry Smith. Uh, we, we literally talked to you about a couple hours before we recorded this, taped this. You know, I th- you know, nothing was super surprising about what Terry had to say. Um, but I will say this, he was not shy about putting Tariq Castro Fields up against any other cornerback in the Big Ten. And I know that Penn State fans will, will hear this and say, well, he just didn't play like it last year. Terry Smith came up with a pretty good reason about why, you know, Tariq was kind of up and down, good early, but not so good late. Yeah, I put my glasses on, Bob, so I could read that quote to to the listeners, because I think it's really interesting. He talked about 
the idea that Tariq was hurt early in the season, or I'm sorry, healthy early in the season, hurt later in the season. And when he suffered that injury, it was very difficult for him to play at the same level that he was playing at earlier in the year. Bob, it sounded a lot like the things that we heard about John Reed when he was um, struggling a little bit as a junior when he came off of that ACL injury and then picked up his play as the season went on. Tariq Castro Fields actually went in reverse. They're obviously hoping he's healthy now. But, you know, Terry Smith said we need a lockdown corner who can handle the best receiver, whoever that is on the opponent. We expect Tariq to be that guy. And I mean, how much more clear can Terry Smith be to put the ball in Tariq Castro's field court, Tariq Castro Fields court rather, and say, hey, look, we need you to be the guy that goes out and uh, and really mans up and plays and takes away the other team's best receiver. And we're not counting on anybody else but you to do that. And I think that's going to be an important part of his development. Bob, they need it. When we talk about the pass defense, Terry Smith was kind of surprisingly blunt talking about the linebackers needing to be better with their reads. He's not wrong. Obviously, the pass rush plays a role. And of course, there were some lapses by the defense, too. There's no doubt about that in the secondary. But um, they need a shutdown corner. And some of the young guys are developing into that. But Tariq Castro Fields has to now be at a point where he's ready to go and take that role. Yeah. Uh, who do you like better, Greg? Do you like Keith Nellis better or Marquise Wilson better? I'm assuming you like them a little bit better than Joey Porter because Joey didn't really get the experience that those two did uh, last uh, last year. Yeah, I was so impressed with Joey Porter Jr. during that game at Maryland, though. He was very impressive down there. But yeah, obviously, he took the uh, four-game and then redshirt approach. So Marquise Wilson and Keaton Ellis are both two very interesting guys. Marquise and Keaton both have a nose for the ball. I don't know how you separate them, other than I think Marquise probably plays with a little bit more length. Those two guys are solid. And if Penn State doesn't get future high-round draft picks out of them, I'll be very surprised. You know, I think Keaton might be a little tiny bit further along in his development just because it seemed like he got some pretty important snaps. But then you have Marquise who went and had the interception in the Cotton Bowl. So those two guys are really good players. Terry Smith, Bob, sat in the Beaver Stadium media room last January, I believe it was, or maybe it was December, and said he would put Keaton Ellis's film up against anybody in the country. And then he would make him, you know, call him without reservation, one of the best, if not the best cornerback that were in the class of 2020. And I think he was underrated because he was from state college. He committed early. There wasn't a lot of hoopla or show that went on with his uh, recruitment. And so I think maybe he was a little bit underrated, but he showcased in year one that he is ready for prime time, ready for the spotlight. And there's not going to be a lot of teams, I think, that will be hard pressed. There will be some, of course, that will have better uh, cornerback offerings of what Penn State has. But if Castro Fields, Wilson, and uh, Keaton Ellis all play to their potential. And then you mix in some Joey Porter Jr., maybe some Daquan Hardy, and you have that safety group take a step forward. Let's not forget Donovan Johnson either. Yes, folks, he still is on the roster. He was hurt last year, but they expect him, if he's healthy, to be back with the team this fall. Bob, they're going to have as much talent in that cornerback room as anyone. And if it can play at a level that they recruited it to and expect it to, this group has every reason to take as big a step forward as any other t uh, position on the roster. Okay, Greg, let's uh, move ahead to some recruiting. They had like 27 recruits commit last week, or at least it seemed that way. I know you had an awfully busy 24-hour period late in the week. Why don't you just break it down? I know there were some twins added to the equation for Penn State. You have friends who are twins. I think you're a twin in real life, so you can relate to all of this, Greg. You can break it down for us, but just talk a little bit about what you like about all four guys and maybe who you like the best. Yeah, so very good end of last week for Penn State. You know, they pick up Jalen Reed, the four-star safety out of Michigan. 
has some Marcus Allen tendencies to him, is willing to stick his nose in and tackle ball carriers, is willing to drop back and play the pass and be uh, a guy who can find the ball in the air. So I think Penn State fans, if you turn on his film, you're going to love what you see. Then on Friday, it was a three-commitment Friday to end the week. Brothers, twins, Kobe, a three-star linebacker, and Kalen, a four-star corner, uh, King from Detroit, Michigan as well. They both commit. Uh, I think Kobe is a true middle linebacker, and maybe he needs some time to to get ready to go. Maybe not. He, his film looks good. Um, I think he might be underrated. The tad as a three-star. And again, he's a middle linebacker uh, all the way in the future. And then with Kalen Bob, a really talented um, you know kid who probably has to put some weight on to play at this level, but has all the tools you need to take the next step. So those three guys uh, all pick Penn State, all from Detroit. It's a testament to Tim Banks' ability to recruit his hometown. Then on thir- on uh, Friday as well, a little bit later Friday, uh, Zaki Wheatley, a four-star athlete, future safety out of uh, Maryland, picked Penn State. He had some, a number of offers from big-time schools, and they wanted to get him in this class. So you look at what that means moving forward, and I think that maybe one more corner they'll take, and they're obviously going to sit tight and hope that Tony Grimes, the nation's number one corner, a five-star out of Virginia, picks them. But Otherwise, I think they have one more, uh, you know, secondary spot to use. And Grimes is a guy you take no matter what. But I think they have one more spot to use. We'll see how things work out on that front. You know, we've seen the 247 Sports crystal balls start rolling in for Jeffrey Davis, a three-star out of Connecticut. So we'll see how things shake up there. But Terry Smith kind of uh, hinted that another run was coming. He talked about the fact that Blue-White Weekend, which of course would have been this weekend, uh, typically has started uh, a commitment run that actually started the week early this year, and they hope to use that momentum to ride into uh, the end of April and early May uh, to keep filling up this class. So I think you'll want to keep those James Franklin Twitter alerts on Penn State fans because there's probably more uh, recruiting bat signal tweets coming here over the next uh, days to come. All right. We got about three topics in. There's only one way to go, and that's with the mailbag to close out uh, this edition of The Blitz. Greg, what is on your mind, and what uh, questions or comments do you have? James Franklin on Saturday, Bob, is going to do a (laughs) spring edition of the Penn State Coaches Radio Show with play-by-play man Steve Jones. You'll be able to find that on Lion Vision, which is a GoPSU sports product. I believe SiriusXM is going to play it live, too. You can check out Bob's post on PennLive from Tuesday for all the details about that. But, Bob, if you were in Steve's seat and you got the first question (laughs) to James Franklin for, I think this is the first time he's talked in two weeks, maybe? Three weeks, what would you ask him at this point? What's top of mind to you? Well, I would ask in light of of comments from Kirk Herbstreet and a lot of uh, people in the business, What he remember he said he had an opinion when the players would need to be back on campus for the season to start um, in terms of a time frame, how soon that would – but he, he, he never really shared it. I wonder if he – A, I would ask him about what that – I would try and press him to see how long they would need to be on campus before the season started, and I would ask him – you know, because we haven't had had him for like two or three weeks. I'd ask him just how realistic does he think now the uh, September 5th starting date is. I just don't know if he'd answer those questions, but if we could kind of make him take some truth serum, I'd be really curious to hear the answers to both those questions. I'm right there with you, Bob. I think those two would have to lead the list. And I think, you know, the scholarship question would be very interesting, yeah. too. And again, I'm not sure he'd have to be careful, of course, with how he answered it, because he wouldn't want to upset anybody before having those in-person conversations at some point down the road. But unless the NCAA decides to up and change its uh, scholarship limit and the way it's count scholarship players, uh, they're going to have to have some tough decisions. Now, you could end up just having guys decide to leave without those conversations. And like you said, maybe they were just waiting until the spring 
academic semester ended to move on. That's very possible, but that's going to be a tough conversation I'll have to have sometime down the road, and I'd be curious to know what plan they have in place for that at this point in time. Uh, One more question for you, Bob, as we continue on with this final segment in the Penn State Blitz mailbag. When you look at um, the running back room and listen to Jaywan Sider talk about the need to continue recruiting guys and building depth, do you think that uh, the fact that a guy like Miles Sanders left early for the NFL, do you you envision that we're going to get a lot? He kind of hinted at this, and I wanted your opinion on it. Do you think we're going to get a lot of three and done running backs at Penn State at this point in time, especially if as Miles showed, you only need one good year to make that happen. Absolutely. You know, Journey, I think Journey Brown, probably if he really wanted to, could have gone after the after the Cotton Bowl. But I do think that he can, you know, you're only talking about a five-game sample with him where he was kind of dominant beginning with the Minnesota game. I think, I think if he can put together a nice little run, you know, obviously he's going to be rewarded because I think he would have improved his draft stock. He probably would have been drafted anyway. But I think, I, I do think that Noah Kane you know, after his third season and Devin Ford after his third season, provided both of them get a chance to show what they can do, would consider leaving, you know, a running back, you know, they're they're getting more and more devalued, I think, even in the NFL after that first contract, just because of the, the injury risk and the fact that there's a little bit more of a committee approach, even in the NFL, as in addition to college. So if you're going to bring a four or five star kid in, I think your expectation should be three years and then done because they're just too good. And, you know, it's actually to their advantage if they don't play a lot um, because, you know, they didn't get beat up in college and they have a little bit more, I think, to offer at the uh, at the NFL level. Uh, Greg, I have a question for you. I know normally I know what you usually like to do on the first Saturday in May, but now the Kentucky Derby has been postponed to September 5th. And let's just say in a perfect world where there are some great medical breakthroughs and things in terms of flattening the curve take place in some way, shape or form, Penn State and kicks off their season against Kent State. It's Kent State, isn't it? On September 5th. And the Derby is also September 5th. Will you schedule a PTO day on Penn State's opener so you can take in the Kentucky Derby, or will you actually not watch the Kentucky Derby and cover Penn State football? No, we'll be covering Penn State football, Bob. And I will say that we might maybe open up a tab to watch the Kentucky Derby, depending on when Penn State kicks off and when that race is run. I won't rule that out of the equation, but I don't think either one of us, I don't know if much would stop either one of us from the opportunity to be back in Beaver Stadium, to be back around live sporting events and to be around, you know, the the atmosphere that that's going to be. I mean, it's going to be whenever uh, people can go back out again and gather in large groups at sporting events, it's going to be a festive uh, tailgating scene like nobody has ever seen before. So. I won't promise not opening a tab to watch that race, but we will be there 100%. Anything is under consideration right now. I think I can speak for our listeners at this point. Any kind of live sporting event is under consideration. I think that's what's going to make the NFL draft, even though it's not a live event, so fascinating. Because we're just looking for anything that can be consumed in a live setting. Bob, I know we'll talk a lot next week about where Penn State guys could go in the NFL draft. And that will be here before we know it. 